Democratic base is very dialed into abortion rights as an issue sure. more broadly. Uh, Same-sex marriage, right. Who's the state's last abortion provider? Has now apologized to his congregation. They believe the Bible has application for every part of our lives. violate her views as a Southern Baptist. He's on camera saying that Bill Barr was a great attorney general. In the midst of all of today's noise and confusion, we need a voice that cuts through the chaos to bring wisdom and clarity. Welcome to The Roy's Report with Julie Roy's, an hour-long show exploring critical issues related to faith and culture from a uniquely Christian perspective. Now, here's your host, Julie Roy's. Do you have to forgive someone who's wronged you no matter what? Is forgiveness primarily an emotional virtue or a moral agenda? And do we forgive for our own sake, the community's sake, or the sake of the offender? Welcome to the Roy's Report, brought to you in part by Judson University. I'm Julie Roy's, and today we're going to be discussing forgiveness, what it is and what it is not. And after researching this issue in preparation for this show, I can promise you one thing. Forgiveness is not a simple equation. It's complex and at times gut-wrenching and sadly, something that's often exploited by ruthless people to extract what they want out of innocent victims. Forgiveness is also something that I think many of us are wrestling with because of the recent scandals involved in this Christian community. We have rampant sexual abuse being reported in the Southern Baptist Church. We have the abuse of power and control by former pastors at both Willow Creek Community Church and Harvest Bible Chapel. And just last week on this show, we discussed a situation at Liberty University. The school hired a coach who had repeatedly patronized escort services, but the coach said he was sorry. So it's all good, right? Well, my guest today is going to challenge some of these notions, and he's going to confront what he calls therapeutic forgiveness. He says this is a perversion of biblical forgiveness, and it's promoting a so-called cheap grace. Yet it's increasingly popular both in the world and in the church. My guest today is Chris Bronze. He's pastor of the Red Brick Church in Stillman Valley, Illinois, and the author of Unpacking Forgiveness, Biblical Answers for Complex Questions and Deep Wounds. Chris has an MDiv from Grand Rapids Theological Seminary and a Doctor of Ministry from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. And Chris is actually joining me in studio today. So, Chris, thanks so much for joining me and making the trip here. It's good to be here, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. So, Chris, uh, we actually did a radio show several years ago when uh, I had my former radio show called uh, Up for Debate. And we were debating this idea of whether or not forgiveness is conditional or unconditional. And I didn't know at that time that you had a context uh, that actually made this issue come to the surface for you. And it was actually in the midst of my reporting. You sent me an email and you're like, oh, by the way, here's a little bit of the context. So um, you didn't write this book in a vacuum. People aren't listening right now in a vacuum. All of us have a context and we have... When, when we hear forgiveness, there's, there's people that we might be um, having a difficult time with forgiving. Um, and so I, I would love if you would tell us just a little bit of the context that made you write this book, Unpacking Forgiveness. Sure, yeah. Well, in a fallen world, we all have a lot of context for broken relationships and the opportunity to unpack forgiveness in my uh, instance, I came from I came from a broken home. Uh, my parents were uh, divorced, and so had a lot to work through that way. Uh, really complicated, and then began being a pastor. Started as a pastor in 1993, and uh, as soon as you're in pastoral ministry, you realize that one of the things you're going to come back to over and over again is forgiveness. But more to the point here, in your reference, 
in 2002, uh, my wife and I relocated our young family. At that time, we were a lot younger. Hair was darker. <laughs> relocated our family uh, to northern Illinois, and we planted a church with Harvest Bible Chapel. And my tenure there was uh, just a, a couple of years, and uh, it went very well. The church went uh, well and was off and going but we had a really tumultuous time at the end, and suddenly, sort of out of nowhere, uh, we found out that we were uh, no longer welcome. We were dismissed just in a period, a, mm. a short period of time, and it wasn't anything about a biblical qualification for ministry. It was just sort of a vague uh, divisiveness, those sorts of things. And so uh, we, I mean, it, it was uh, devastating for our family. We, Divisiveness, does that mean that you actually confronted some things that you thought weren't right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, you, you stand up to some things and, and point some things out, mm-hmm. and um, you find out very quickly that that's not well-received. And so uh, our family at the time, I think our, our oldest had just started junior high at that time. Mm. And so all of a sudden you find out you're going to have to change schools. Uh, you've invested everything of uh, the stress of that. You know, a lot of people have talked uh, on the show, the, the stress that you go through physically of standing up to things is, is difficult. So that was tough. And, and you know, I, I haven't I didn't write a word about that in unpacking forgiveness. Mm-hmm. We didn't choose to uh, work it out in in that context. But I think it's it's important here to say, and part of the reason I, I drove in to do this show is because I know there are some people really hurting, really struggling mm-hmm. with how to view the church, uh, really struggling if they want to to go on. And um I would say to those people who are listening, listen, I know where you're coming from. Our family has gone through this. Uh, we've had to address it. And I just want to encourage them that the invitation Jesus Christ extends is in the context of the church. And he says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. And mm-hmm. so to those people who are hurting, I would say, uh, don't decline the invitation of Christ that can be received in the church. The church is as much God's plan for this age as the ark was for Noah's, and it's a, a leaky boat at times, it's a messy boat at times, but it beats being out in the rain. And I, mm. I, I would encourage people, uh, don't turn your back on what you need the most. Yeah, and I appreciate that. That's a whole reason we're doing a conference coming up November 2nd, yeah. Restore Chicago. Um, is because we know that there's so many people, uh, and rightly so, alienated from the church. I mean, I, I, it's it's been hard for them. And yet at the same time, like you said, being out in the rain, that's not really no, a place right. of healing. So let's let's wrestle with this because this is the situation I'm sure you found yourself in. Um, you have an offense against you, and you have someone that is not repentant for it, doesn't even see it. In fact, they think you're the problem. Um, and I know there's a lot of people listening right now that they're they're probably never going to hear what they want to hear from the person who offended them. And I think there's a, a popular notion today that says, you know what, you forgive them and then it's it's on them. But you've got to release the bitterness, obviously. But is that exactly right? This whole idea of forgive them, whether or not they're repentant, whether or not they ever apologize you challenge that, and, and I appreciate what you have to say because it really makes us wrestle with this issue. So why do you think 
it's it's not right just to say, okay, I forgive you, even though. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's great. Listen, uh, the listeners, they they go out and they look on the internet about forgiveness and Christian forgiveness. Right away, they're going to find out that there's a huge discussion and there's all kinds of really interesting things out there. If you go to unpackingforgiveness.com and take my little forgiveness quiz, you'll see some of the sorts of questions that come up. You have people counseling things like, uh, it's, it's okay to forgive God. We should forgive God. Or you should forgive people even if they haven't done anything to offend you. Or the person you need to forgive the most is yourself. And there's, there's all this sort of weirdness going on about forgiveness. But the situation you bring up in particular is this one, a grave offense— and an unrepentant offender. What do you do when the offense is grave and the offender is unrepentant? I mean, if the offense is not grave, uh, Proverbs 19.11 says a man's wisdom gives him patience. It's to his glory to overlook an offense. Or uh, Peter says love covers over a multitude of sins. But what do you do with 9.11? Or what do you do in a church situation if the offender uh, isn't repentant? And that's where in Unpacking Forgiveness, I talk about three things that need to be done. Number one, we need to proactively show love. That's what God shows us. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that's the first thing. And and anybody who's been watching the news and seen the example of Brant, this this man who forgave his uh, brother's killer, um, mm-hmm. has been challenged by by that love and that grace. Uh, the second thing is no revenge. Um, you know, the Bible is explicit. We should, we ought never to be vindictive and take revenge. But the, but the third thing that uh, Christians do when the offense is grave and the offender is unrepentant is the Bible says, "Leave room for the wrath of God." Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And I think that's something that's not getting talked about enough in the context of these situations. Uh, Paul says in First Timothy, he says, or Second Timothy rather, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. Then he doesn't say, I forgive him, forget about it, I let it go. Uh, Paul says, God will pay him back for it, and you too should be on your guard against him. So so he, he doesn't just dismiss it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, this is Chris Bronze. He's the author of Unpacking Forgiveness. And we're talking about what does it mean to forgive someone? And do you forgive someone who's unrepentant? We'll continue our discussion on the other side of the break. But for right now, we do need to just take a quick break. But we'll be right back. We now return to the Roy's Report. Here's your host, Julie Roy's. As Christians, we must forgive everybody, or only those who ask for forgiveness. And do we forgive for our own benefit or for the benefit of the offender? Welcome back to the Roy's Report. I'm Julie Roy's, and today we're discussing forgiveness, what it is and what it isn't. And joining me today to explore forgiveness is Chris Bronze, author of the book Unpacking Forgiveness, Biblical Answers for Complex Questions and Deep Wounds. If you'd like a copy of Chris's book, uh, I encourage you to enter our giveaway today. I have five copies of Unpacking Forgiveness to give away. And if you'd like to enter to win one of those, just go to Julie Roy, spelled R-O-Y-S dot com slash giveaway. Also, I like this book so much, I actually made Unpacking Forgiveness our premium giveaway this month. So if you'd like to give a donation to this ministry, well, 
be happy to send you a copy of Chris's book as well. To do that, you just click on the donate button at my website. Super easy, and all gifts are tax deductible. So again, just go to Julie Roy, spelled R-O-Y-S dot com. Um, so Chris, before the break, you talked about some steps that we take if we want to do biblical forgiveness. Um, and one of the first things you said is that we proactively show love. And you were talking about the situation with Brant Jean where he said to his brother's killer, I hope you'll look for answers. And he sort of offered this package of forgiveness. I hope you're sorry. And if you are, I would be so happy to forgive you. But he didn't actually say, I forgive you at that point. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and I have the quote right in front of me. He mm-hmm. said, if you're truly sorry, I can speak for myself. I forgive. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. Now, listen, I think that's a beautiful answer. And what he did was beautiful and Christ-like. If forgiveness is a package, if it's a gift, uh, Christians always wrap the package. Mm-hmm. We always put it out on the table. We always extend that offer uh, to the other party. But biblical forgiveness is something that happens between two parties. It, it's not a private event any more than a hug is a private event. Mm-hmm. And if we wrap the package of forgiveness and offer it to someone, if they don't unwrap it by repentance, then biblical forgiveness has not taken place in its its full sense. So I thought what he did yesterday was was open up his arms, literally. He, mm-hmm. he literally did mm-hmm. that and offer forgiveness. And then uh, this lady, uh, this woman who had shot his brother, is, is impossible. It's just impossible to imagine. Yeah, uh, came over. And, and received his hug. I think that's a, that's a gospel picture. Mm. That's, that's a picture of full of grace. It, it, you know, he didn't—so much of what's taught about forgiveness now, it, it's taught like it's—you'll forgive the expression, but here, here we go. It's like it's a moral laxative for the individual. It's not something <laughs> I do for, for us between the two of us. It's just uh, this sort of let-it-go a business. By the way, that's why some people say it's legitimate to forgive God. They say, well, forgiveness is just something uh, you do for yourself. So if you feel anger and bitter towards God, then it's legitimate to forgive him. And of course, that's, that's eviscerating a biblical concept, forgiveness of its real content. I'm glad that you brought up that one thing about, as you said, the psychological equivalent of a laxative. You're, you quote this in your book. It's uh, Wilford McClay, I think, in his essay, The Strange Persistence of Guilt. He writes, when we pardon those who trespass against us because we have been told that it's good for our physical or mental health, we're doing something other than forgive. We are acting not for our benefit or not for the benefit of the offender, but for our own sake. We confuse a freely offered transcendent act of love with the psychological equivalent of a laxative. Right. right. I, I mean, that's powerful. I mean, I'll be honest, before we started having this conversation, before I became uh, aware of your book, um, that's kind of what I thought. Like somebody does something bad against you, you know, we're not supposed to harbor bitterness towards them. So we need to forgive them whether, whether they're repentant or not. You're pushing back and saying, no, I'm sure there's an awful lot of people right now who are listening who are saying, well, wait, does that mean that then you're holding on to bitterness because you're, un- you're unforgiving in your heart? So respond to that, because I know that probably the majority of the audience might be thinking that right now. Yeah. So Christians ought always to have an attitude of forgiveness. We, we ought always to, again, I use the word picture, uh, wrap the package and hold it out. 
But if the other party doesn't receive the gift by repentance, then forgiveness hasn't fully taken place. And by the way, this just goes back to the gospel. Um, This goes back to what God, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. But if you don't bow your knee to Christ and put your faith and trust in him, uh, you're not forgiven by God. It's interesting, way back to when I wrote Unpacking Forgiveness, I remember reading that uh, Rob Bell, he, he had written, hell is full of forgiven people. And, and I thought, what can that possibly mean? Hmm. You're, you're holding out this teaching that you could be forgiven by God and still go to hell. Uh, and, and I thought at the time and, and wrote something to the effect that this is on a trajectory of universalism. Mm-hmm. When, and, and a, which and is a, where it went. Yeah, which, mean, is, which is where it went. And so, but, but I mean, then we get uh, books published by evangelical publishers. Uh, R.T. Kendall uh, wrote a book called Totally Forgiving God in which he encourages people uh, to forgive God. Lewis Smedes, uh, years before that, said, uh, is it really such a big thing if we let God off the hook uh, for what he did, I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. And of course, the answer is, yeah, that's a, bi- that's a big thing because it implies moral culpability. But so I think Christians always make the offer. We always have the attitude of forgiveness, but, but we can't diminish uh, the central place of repentance in this. So this is an issue um, for me. I, I was thinking just in this past week, there are several instances where forgiveness became an issue. One of them, Chris, was a woman I interviewed. I had a three-hour interview last night. One of the most gut-wrenching interviews I've done with a woman who was raped repeatedly by a man. And then when she complained because this man was employed by a Christian institution, they said they'd look into it, talk to him, and said, you know what, he's sorry, and you need to forgive him. And that was it. They wanted her to drop it not go to authorities, not do anything. And, and I mean, I was just so dumbfounded listening to this. I, I was actually viscerally upset. Um, but when something like that happens, and they say, well, look, they've asked for forgiveness. You need to forgive. What would you say to yeah, them? Yeah, well, listen, I, I, uh, that grieves my heart. I mean, I'm so grieved. As a, as a pastor, to hear this um, and to hear that uh, Christian leaders would say this, uh, forgiveness doesn't mean the elimination of consequences. I've said that before to our flock and people kind of push back on it. And I say, now, wait a minute. Stillman Valley, great town in northern Illinois. If I robbed the bank in Stillman Valley, which I have not done, uh, <laughs> but if, if I did – I've said to our people before, and I was repentant, would you forgive me? And they say, yes, of course. And then I say, could I be a pastor in Stillman Valley, Illinois, if I robbed the bank? And the answer is obviously not. I wouldn't be above reproach. Uh, Likewise, uh, yesterday, uh, when uh, this man offered forgiveness to his uh, brother's killer, uh, she she was still sentenced to prison. She and and I don't know sentencing well enough to debate that sentence. But forgiveness doesn't mean that she should not suffer the consequences uh, for taking another life. I mean, eternally in the book of life, when we ask for forgiveness and we're truly repentant, that's wiped clean. 
but we still have to have some consequences in the, in the natural. Sure. It, it, it's wiped clean, and it's uh, wiped clean because the Lord Jesus Christ um, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we die, might die to sin and live for righteousness. And so because he has paid the price, um, yeah, we're justified, we're declared righteous, and then we spend eternity with him. But in this fallen world, uh, David, uh, David, of course, was forgiven. We have Psalm 51, our great psalm of repentance. But David faced uh, terrible consequences because of the decisions that he have made. He had made, and they haunted his family and plagued his family really, you know, the rest of his life. So I have another issue I would love to bring up to you. I, this is kind of a therapeutic show for me, though, because I <laughs> get to get my, my questions answered. Although we're de- dealing with biblical solutions yeah, to these right, issues, right. not just psychological ones, which I love. And so I'll, I'll ask it, and we'll, we'll get to it on the other side of the break. But here's the, the other situation. I got called this week from a former elder at Harvest Bible Chapel, and he said, you know, I want to talk to you off the record. And then he said, I'd like to privately apologize to you privately apologize to you. Now, again, the things that he said about me that were a part of these press releases that were put out about me when I was investigating were very public, but he wanted to apologize privately. I'll tell you what I said. I want to hear what you think about that. When we come back from break, again, you're listening to The Roy's Report. I'm Julie Roy's. I'm here with Pastor Chris Browns, author of Unpacking Forgiveness, Biblical Answers for Complex Questions and Deep Wounds. We'll be right back. Church scandals have left many people hurt and disillusioned. After being abused or manipulated by church leaders, some wonder if they can ever trust Jesus or Christian leaders again. That's why Julie Royce and Judson University are hosting Restore Chicago, a one-day conference on Saturday, November 2nd, to restore faith in God and the church. Restore will address how to survive abuse with your faith intact, why, despite hurt and disappointment, we can still believe in the church, and why we're in the midst of an unmistakable move of God to purify His bride. Speakers include Nancy Beach, a former teaching pastor at Willow Creek who exposed abuse by Bill Hybels, and Julie Royce, whose investigative reporting has led to major change in the Christian community. Josh Caterer of The Smoking Popes will be leading worship, and other special guests will share testimonies of hope. Don't miss this unique and healing gathering Saturday, November 2nd at Judson University. For more information, go to RestoreChicagoConference.com. Now, more of The Roy's Report. Once again, here's Julie Roy's. Welcome back to The Roy's Report, brought to you in part by Judson University. I'm Julie Roy's, and today we're discussing forgiveness. What do you do when someone hurts you but isn't repentant? As a Christian, are you obligated to forgive that person, or as my guest today argues... Is this unconditional forgiveness a perversion of biblical forgiveness and harmful to those who engage in it? I'd love to hear your thoughts about our topic today. The best way to do that is to join the online conversation on both Facebook or Twitter. Uh, To get to us on Facebook, just go to facebook.com slash reachjulieroys, and Royce is spelled R-O-Y-S. And on Twitter, my handle is at reachjulieroyce. Again, joining me today is Chris Bronze, pastor of the Red Brick Church in Stillman Valley, Illinois, and author of Unpacking Forgiveness, Biblical Answers for Complex Questions and Deep Wounds. And just a reminder, I'm giving away five copies of Chris's book today. If you'd like to enter,
winner to win that giveaway, just go to julieroys.com slash giveaway. Also, Unpacking Forgiveness is our premium for donors this month. So if you want to be sure that you get this book and also support this program, uh, just click on the donate button while you're at my website. Again, the address is julieroys, spelled R-O-Y-S dot com. So Chris, before the break, um, I mentioned that I got a call this week, and it was from a former elder at Harvest Bible Chapel. And uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with this story, um, you probably haven't (laughs) listened to the show much because we talked about it quite a bit. But um, I was a part of an investigation that exposed wrongdoing there. James McDonald ended up uh, getting fired, the senior pastor. And there's been a lot of change there. But during that whole process of investigating some really nasty things were said about me Sim- similar i think to uh chris what was said about you when you raised issues uh that you were sowing discord that you were gossiping i don't know if that was said about you it was said about me um and uh that essentially we were doing not the work of of god but of the evil one and so this elder came to me and said hey uh, i'd like to talk to you off the record um and uh julie uh, i want to know you know if if you would forgive me for for what happened and, and what we did to you, and uh, and so I I'll tell you what I said I said, um, you know I'm not holding any bitterness in my heart towards you yeah. at all, and and I said I don't think about this on a daily basis at all. But since you're bringing it up, um, this isn't the appropriate way to apologize. What you did was public, and you said things about me in public, and so if you want to rectify that. The way to do that is for you to publicly state that. And uh, he, he said, I mean, I could tell he was, oh, well, uh, you know, and I'll think about that. So he's still thinking about it. So maybe if you're listening, um, you keep thinking about it, but I'd like to hear what you have to say. Yeah, no, that, I think the, the principle that you point to is the right one. The circle of confession needs to go as wide as the circle of the offense, Hmm. The circle of confession needs to be as wide as the circle of offense. And so the nature of those discussions was so public that now it has to repentance should be done in that arena. And I think that's part of why, again, I didn't say anything about my situation in unpacking forgiveness and haven't uh, said much over the years about it on, on my website or in any articles or anything like that. But I think when this was all, some of this became so public, it's time for Christian leaders to really uh, take a stand about yep. this. And the independent nature of evangelical ministries is such that it's easy for pastors like me just to keep our distance and say, well, it's not my deal. Um, I'm doing my separate thing out there. But I think uh, we're, we're at a point now where whether it's uh, – James McDonald or uh, Bill Hybels, they accepted the invitation to be on a a big platform. Mm -hmm. They accepted the invitation, uh, a call, they would say, to have a big influence. And now that some of these things have come out, I think of some of the video recordings or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, one where they were... were, uh, The hot mic, you mean? Yeah, and... and, and, uh, a lady who's a Christian leader, a fine Christian leader, was being mocked or something. Not now that that's out, it has to. You have to stand up and say, "Listen, uh, publicly, this was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me?" Um, you know. And how about walking away from ministry? I mean, I, this has been a big question: is 
okay, we forgive, but as you said, there are consequences. Can somebody be in ministry after this sort of an offense? Well, Titus Titus 1, 5 to 9, uh, lays out the qualifications, 6 to 9, uh, for an elder, blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he has to be self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And and so you look at that list of qualifications and and this idea of being above reproach. And you can say now at this point we're a lot of things, above reproach isn't one of them. Yeah. And and uh, is there a path uh, <laughs> to be above reproach again? Um, you know, that would have to be reflected on for a long time. But step one is taking responsibility and asking uh, forgiveness, I think, as widely again as the nature of the offense. Of course, uh, talking about Willow, which I didn't have any uh, direct experience uh, in uh, with at all. I, d- I didn't work with them or anything like that. But but their influence has been huge. It has been vast. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and because of that now, um, it, this is going to play out um, in a very, very public way. And likewise, uh, repentance needs to be public. A lot of people listening right now, I'm sure, are thinking, okay, I get that. So um, my offender hasn't come to me. I, I see what you're saying. I need to sort of offer this package of forgiveness. But if they don't unwrap it, then forgiveness hasn't really occurred. We haven't had this transaction, which biblically, I mean, it does say, um, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. It doesn't say that Jesus just forgives everyone. They're probably thinking and, and feeling, and, and I know because I've talked to an awful lot, um, man, it just hurts. And I don't know how I'm, you know, we've talked a little bit about this therapeutic forgiveness where we forgive the person, we release that bitterness, whatever. Um, that's not necessarily biblical forgiveness, but still, how do you deal with these feelings of just anger and this wasn't right and I'll never hear from them what I what I want to hear? Um, we've only got like a minute so we can just sort of touch on the surface. What do we do with it? Well, today, I'll give you today's vocabulary word. Here's, here's okay. today's vocabulary word. The vocabulary word is eschatology. Eschatology, which is the final redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's it's the reminder that our king has ascended to the right hand of the father and he has promised that he is coming again and though he came humbly in his first advent as a, a servant and as a baby in bethlehem when he comes back again he's coming on a white horse and scripture is explicit vengeance is mine i will repay says the lord you look at Psalm 73 where the psalmist is disillusioned. And he said, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Till I entered the sanctuary of the Lord, then I understood their final destiny. Glad you brought it to this. When we come back from break, we'll continue it again. Julie Royce, you're listening to The Royce Report. I'll be right back with Chris Bronze. Thank you for listening to The Royce Report with Julie Royce. The Roy's Report is a listener-supported program, and we're only able to broadcast this program with donations from listeners like you. If you'd like to see this quality program continue, please go to julieroys, spelled R-O-Y-S, dot com, and click on the Donate button. And as a thank you for your gift of any size, we'll send you the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. 
by the late famed apologist Norm Geisler. Just go to julieroys.com and click on the donate button. This is the Royce Report with Julie Royce. Scripture says that believers are to be kind-hearted towards one another, forgiving one another as Christ forgave us. But what does that mean exactly? Welcome back to the Roy's Report. I'm Julie Roy's, and today we're discussing forgiveness with Pastor Chris Bronze, author of Unpacking Forgiveness, Biblical Answers for Complex Questions and Deep Wounds. And if you're just joining us and you want to hear what you've missed, uh, we'll have the full audio of this program posted to my website within the next hour. So you just go to Julie Roy, spelled R-O-Y-S, dot com and click on the podcast tab. Also, I want to give you a personal invitation to the upcoming Restore Chicago Conference on November 2nd at Judson University. This is a -a one-of-a-kind conference. It's designed to restore faith in God in the church in the wake of a lot of these church scandals that we've experienced and abuse. Joining me is going to be Nancy Beach, a former teaching pastor at Willow Creek Community Church, and also one of uh, several women who bravely confronted abuse by former pastor Bill Hybels. Also Wade Mullen, an expert on abuse who was on my show last week. Um, And also Josh Caterer will be leading worship. So if you've been hurt and maybe you feel really disillusioned in the church, I really want to encourage you to come. And I know uh, you probably know others who feel this way, and I want to encourage you to invite them to come. That's why we've put this together. It's designed to be a safe place. And I know somebody said, are you going to be live streaming the event? And my first my first reaction was, can you download the Holy Spirit online? Because, and I'm not saying that you can't live stream events and the Holy Spirit can't work through that, but I really do believe in presence and incarnational ministry and God being there present with us. And I think we need some face-to-face together um, to work through some of these things. So I hope you'll consider coming. Uh, It's RestoreChicagoConference.com if you want to get more information on that. Again, RestoreChicagoConference.com. That's RestoreChicagoConference.com. Well, again, joining me today to discuss forgiveness is author and pastor Chris Bronze. And Chris, uh, I loved before the break, we were talking about dealing with anger and bitterness and the frustration that people feel when their offender has not owned it. And so, so painful. And even this woman um, that I said I interviewed last night who who was raped repeatedly. And, and it happened over 20 years ago, and she still... She could barely talk about it. I mean, would would tear up, and, and I mean, I just could hear the angst on the other side of the phone. And um, and I'm thinking about her. And yet, you said we need to think the the big picture, the eternal perspective. Yeah. There is a day when God will come back, yeah. and He will set all wrongs right, and there will be justice. And as you said that, I immediately thought of Joseph because of what he says when his brothers come to him. What you meant for evil. God intended for good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, the Joseph and Judah uh, narrative, Genesis 37 to 50, if someone's really unpacking forgiveness, I would point them to that passage. Don't, Don't look only at Joseph, look also at Judah, because Judah's on the other side of it, and Judah repents. But when Joseph finally confronts his brother, he said, don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Mm-hmm. For two years now, there's been famine in the land. For the next five years, there will not be plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth. Save your lives by great deliverance. So what what he had there was a, the, the providence of God. And listen, 
you can't unpack forgiveness if you don't have a big view of God. If you don't understand who God is and all his brilliance and beauty, his power, and we can be absolutely confident that God is just. Again, I keep pointing back to uh, that quote in uh, Romans 12, 17 to uh, 21, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. The other thing about the Joseph story that I think is fascinating is that when he first discovers his brothers, um, that these, here they are, and, uh, you know, he has every opportunity to wreak vengeance on them. He's now second in command in Egypt. There's a famine in the land. They come, they need food. They don't recognize him. And he, he basically designs this whole event where he has his servants sneak mm-hmm. a goblet into Benjamin's mm-hmm. sack. And Benjamin and he are the only sons of Rebecca, the, the beloved wife of uh, his father. And then the others are, are from you know, his other wives. And, yeah. and, and he doesn't, his father doesn't feel the same way about them. And so he's testing, seems to be testing, whether that same jealousy and strife, whether they've changed, whether they are repentant. Well, no, no, that's right. He, he, it's the only way Joseph can know if they're really repentant or not. He recreates the same situation. In the first instance, his uh, older brother, uh, Judah, suggested that he be sold to the Midianites. He creates another situation in which it would be to their advantage to uh, throw Benjamin under the Egyptian bus, if you will. And this time, in what, the longest discourse or the longest speech in Genesis is Judah saying, no, 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 I, I couldn't bear uh, for, to go back and tell my father that Benjamin is not with me. And, and, and Judah says, my life for his life, my life for his life. And at that point, uh, Joseph knows that they really are repentant. He sends everyone, he clears everyone. You remember this? He yeah. clears everyone out of the room, and he's weeping so loud that, that they hear him. And, and I think that's how we know. I mean, Judah's uh, repentance was genuine. And then it is amazing. You talk about redemption or restoration. Uh, our Lord Jesus Christ uh, comes from that broken world of Judah and Tamar who had disguised herself as a prostitute and Judah who had sold his brother into slavery. Out of that, our God graciously offers salvation in our King. So you turn over to Matthew chapter one and you read the genealogy and there's Tamar's name. It's amazing. And the thing we know is salvation and forgiveness is all about God and it's all about grace. It's all about grace. It's just so beautiful. It is beautiful. And, and even as you're saying this, we're both tearing up. Yeah. That thing's because that Joseph story to me is, is probably, I think, the one with probably the most emotion for me as I, as I read scripture and, and that, that reuniting with his brothers and that picture of forgiveness. And you're right. It does show us the heart of our father. And the heart of Jesus is, is for reconciliation. And, and, and for the listeners, what I would say, here's, here's what you do with that story. Um, move into it. Inhabit it. Meditate on it. Mm. You, you can think of that story uh, for 30 years, and you'll still be uh, learning from it and growing. That's the power of God's Word. And, you know, Psalm 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Word are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commands of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. So listen, if you're broken inside, 
if, if you're full of anger, if you don't know how to get past these things, listen, run to the Word and feed your soul there. Genesis 37, start right in 37, go all the way to 50, and then just think about that the rest of your life. By the way, also, here's two easy scriptures to remember, Psalm 37 and Psalm 73. Psalm 37, fret not because of evildoers. Fret not, soon enough, God will take care of this. So those two Psalms, they're just transposed, right? 37 and Mm -hmm. 73, and you can remember those references. So God's word, God's word, God's word. Amen. I want to turn to something because you bring up Christ um, on the cross. And and when I've talked to people about this issue, about forgiveness, what they'll often point to is Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I've heard that often upheld as, okay, Jesus forgave his, his oppressors. They weren't repentant at that point. Yeah, that, that question always comes up. Didn't Jesus uh, forgive his killers on the cross? And, and of course, the answer is uh, absolutely he didn't. Uh, he interceded in their behalf. He prayed that they would be forgiven, but he didn't grant them absolution. And we know that Jesus uh, could forgive people, go in peace. He said to others, your sins are forgiven. But he interceded in their behalf and prayed that they would be forgiven, very similar to how Stephen prayed for uh, the people who stoned him. And so we would say the Apostle Paul was a direct answer to Stephen's prayer that his killers would be forgiven. But if something had happened to, to Paul between the stoning of Stephen and the road to Damascus, uh, he was not yet forgiven. So I think Jesus there uh, embodies what we are to live out. Um, he offers forgiveness. He prays for their forgiveness. He hopes for it, but he, just, he doesn't say, uh, your sins are forgiven. Hmm. We've spoken a lot to the person who's been offended. I want to speak for a minute to the person who has offense. You know, Scripture says if, if you go to the altar and you realize somebody has something against you, you leave your gift at the altar and you, you go make it right with that person. There's probably a lot of people listening right now who say maybe the Holy Spirit's tugging at them and saying, pointing out some things that they need to make right, but it's absolutely terrifying. Speak to that person. Why is it important that you own this, and how do you own it correctly when you've got somebody that might be really mad at you? Yeah, I think you have to um, really work on this and, and, and really uh, be sure that you're not qualifying, that you're not excusing, that you're taking ownership, that you're truly broken. Let's go back to Judah and Joseph and Genesis. Uh, Judah's repentance uh, incredibly begins in, Gen- in Genesis 38, where he said that Tamar is going to be uh, put to death for being you know, pregnant out of wedlock. And then she you know, puts, figuratively speaking, his credit card and driver's license on the <laughs> table. And at that moment, this is when Judah's repentance begins. He says, no, let her live. She's more righteous than I. Mm-hmm. And and you say, well, that's just such a moment. I'm not sure if his repentance is genuine, but if, then if you track it through the rest of the book, right. uh, he, he's willing to give his life uh, to, to because he's so repentant. So um, practicing, you know, I'm sorry, will you forgive me without qualification? I'm not, you know, it, it's how I have to, my wife is sitting here, how I have to apologize to for Jamie. I don't say, 
uh, please forgive me. Um, you were rude to me. And then, you know, and, 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 th- and then make some uh, lame apology or some lame request for forgiveness. Or if I offended you, yeah, that's if my, I, my perfect Or whatever I, whatever I may have done or if I did anything right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, but listen, uh, follow Jesus and, and, and look to the cross. And, of course, Jesus didn't have to ask forgiveness, but he was gracious with all of us who are sinners. And name it specifically. Isn't yeah, that important? Right, right. We can't vaguely, we need to name specifically what we did. It's, it, it's really healthy for our own soul, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And I, and I have to, when I wrote Unpacking Forgiveness, and there's a picture of a suitcase on the cover, and that's the picture I had in mind. But now I say it's not so much like unpacking a suitcase. It's more like relocating houses. And you move on a particular day and deal with the matter. But then you figure out that you've got boxes under the ping pong table for a long time. <laughs> we moved a couple of, well, actually, only a little over a year ago. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and you think you've dealt with everything. And then you, you bring out this box of junk that you've got to sift through and work through. But I, I think just do it one day at a time. Um, one situation at a time, take ownership and go on from there. Amen. Well, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. And I have to say, I agree with him. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The apostle Paul said, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I think we need a lot more talk of repentance, a lot more talk of biblical forgiveness as opposed to therapeutic forgiveness. And I thank you so much, Chris, for coming and helping us do that. Again, if you've missed any part of this show, you can hear the entire audio at julieroyce, spelled R-O-Y-S dot com. We'll have the post uh, podcast posted. Hope you have a great weekend and God bless. <laughs>